Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. numbers spike in North Dakota. Awesome. You know what, what? sucks is Record. we were going to go hunt in North Dakota, this Texas hunt we're doing. We were going to go hunt in North Dakota, and Joey Lyon talked to us out of it saying, ah, oh, the numbers are bad in North Dakota, and all of a sudden now they're fucking <laughs> killer. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, now like, they're spiking. Yeah. Mm. State Man. Game and Fish Department migrant bird biologists expect a fall flight of ducks in North Dakota similar to 2007. 2008 and 2017. Yeah. Bring the forecast closer to home. The fall flight's expected to be about 26% above last year. Shoot. You know how we were talking about maybe hunting up in Panhandle? I think this might be a good year to go to Panhandle, boys. <laughs> I, was in, I was in on Oh, show. The Panhandle of uh, Oklahoma, by the way. Oh. No. Yeah. I was thinking pan- No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, bro, you should have seen this thing. Uh, Jim was tracking... Pintails on his website earlier. Yeah, were they at in Florida? That's pretty cool. No, no, yeah. it's last year's. But what's track, interesting but... is it looks like I don't know if it's south of Colorado. It's kind of it's kind of weird because there's no west st- of there's, Denver. Yeah, there's no state lines or like. Uh, oh, so it's kind of hard to tell what state. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell where like the U.S. ends and Canada starts. Well, it's, oh yeah, <laughs> I was looking at. It, I can narrow it down. It's southwest of Denver. So let me see where Denver is. So I would estimate. That man, you're giving everybody hunting spots away now. Well, no, there's a place that I, 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 I'm not shitting you. I would guess is probably in northern New Mexico, yeah, or south. south I don't even know where the fuck, why the hell they're there. It's it's somewhere in either in northern New Mexico or south west Colorado, yeah, where. In early November, like they got all these tag birds that are like balls on a pool table. They're all, they're they're in Russia. Some of them. Yeah. Holy crap. Fucking it was Russia. Bro, literally, like you look they're at this coming map. from Russia too. Yes. You look at this map. The you US? can see them start in the U.S. because it starts in like January, right? So they're yeah. still down here. And then as it migrates through the year, you watch some of those. He's got a, you got a, uh, down to pintails, don't you? Yeah. Just pintails. You could watch some of the pintails go to Russia. And and then they they're flying all, like north from Canada out of like through Alaska, yeah, into Russia. Russia. And then, but in the first week of November, they're all, all the dots go, like it's just overnight, boom, one spot, right, United spot. States. And then, but it, it's in it's in northern New Mexico, yeah, 
all these tag birds in the same place, and then they spread out a bit. They're ping-ponging back and forth between there and the Gulf Coast, like like all the way over to the east part of Texas, and they're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, around March, scattered, scatter all back up north again. Dang. But you could do that with every you could do that any species you want. So, so that is teal. a topic to talk about. I've seen there's I've seen tracks where they'll like track a teal all the way down. It'll like cruise right over Florida, go down into the like the Bahamas and Cuba, and like circle around like Merritt Island and then right back up north. Well, yeah, I mean Jim. So Jim can change over, but we're talking about hunting. So wood ducks. Get on the wood duck. Though. We should. Pro- are we on? Po- are we to start the podcast? Yeah, we're already recording. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We're hot, man. Well, we yeah, should, I want to. Hot. Let's. We got to cover this a little bit more in detail, man. Um, are we going to keep covering this? Let's oh, go. Why don't we? Why, let's, all right. Let's just not start the podcast yet. November tenth, right? Is is our dove hunt in Seminole Ranch? November tenth. No, it's Saturday the eleventh, right? No, you got eleven Will, twenty-six. Will's going to kill us, man. Yeah. Eleven. I, I wasn't in the mode yet. I thought oh, we were still bullshitting what we were going to talk about. Oh, well, no, we were recording. Yeah, we You're a little late recording. on that punch, buddy. We've been recording. Well, now mm. it's all so messed up, we got to start over. Nah, nah, nah. We're nah. going to be all right. Yeah. All right. But, uh, no, so we got Seminole Ranch on 1126. That's, That's going to be a fun right? one. That, uh, I believe that is a dove shoot, isn't it, Jim? Yeah, Seminole man, Seminole Ranch, Ranch is interesting because it's, it's public. It's not. They don't go out and they don't do a, they don't seed the fields or whatnot. It's just an old cow pasture. But man, sometimes the doves roll in there. And you know what does roll in there? Hunters. Right? But yeah. man, if you get out there early and if the UPO crew gets out there in force, uh, right at check in and gets a couple of good spots down by the cow barn or by the, by where the, uh, some old fencing and whatnot in there, man, sometimes they roll through there. Um, you gotta, you, you're going to get rained on though. Yeah. You, you're going to get peppered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've never okay. seen anybody get hurt. You're probably going to have to have some polite conversations with a couple fellas about how close is too close. But man, two years ago, it was two years ago. I mean, it was even last year. No, it was two years ago, I guess, man. It, it was pretty good. There was a lot of shooting. Don't shoot the metal larks. <laughs> they hop up right in front of you, a metal lark. Yeah, if it's not coming from the sky. Yeah. And then so we got Charles Bronson. Uh, I don't know when it was originally, right? Well, it was scheduled it, for the 10th, and then yeah. then the uh, we were going to do it on the 10th, except then the um, FWC ticket oh, so, gods. Uh, Charles, Bron- Charles Bronson's coming up, right? That says 10-17. Yeah. No. Twelve seventeen. Okay. I would say you got a ten here on the paper. Well, say what I mean, not what I wrote. Yeah. I'll say you have me scared there. I'm like, Jesus, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. No. Um yeah. but on the twelve seventeen makes more sense. That's small game season E. Yeah. On the tenth at least two of us will be in Seminole Forest trying to knock down cervids. Hopefully big horny cervids. That sounds dirty when you say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Deer. Yeah. Well, so Love the whitetail kind. We're pushing that. A lot of guys RSVP'd for that hunt because, it, man, that is one of the squirrel meccas in Central Florida. That's a beautiful piece of property. A lot of times they're in there thick. We had a bunch of dudes. So we met Jake Bigby last year with the Sweet 16, knocking him down. I was going to say, I don't – we didn't uh, 
No, Seminole Ranch was where we didn't do a hunt at Seminole Ranch last year. Charles Bronson, we did. Right. Yeah, man, that was a jam up little hunt. There was actually a lot of uh, some new people out there that I'd never met before, which was really sweet. Yeah, I'm excited for the yeah. dead sheep. Um, we might That's even Seminole Ranch. But. <clears throat> yeah, I wish we, I wish we could actually get people to call in because I'd love to get the input on this. We talked about maybe at that hunt using as a way to also maybe raise a couple of bucks for charity and kind of make some fun with it. Where well, so maybe we're talking have, about it now. Uh, most of the people that listen are going to be on the group, the the UPO Nation group. So let's uh, let's hear your comments about it on the group then. Yeah, I guess put it out there. The whole idea would, th- would be like to raise money for charity. Maybe have four man teams, or three, whatever, up to four man teams, and everybody kicks in twenty five or fifty bucks. And so, so wait, which, wait, you want to say? <clears throat> well, if you're going to do up to four-man teams, right? So if you got two guys that want to come in there, is it $100 per team? Uh, no, I, I don't really care about it. I was thinking 50, 50 bucks a head. And if you know, but the, I don't know, man, you put me and Cameron Gordon together, I think we could win that thing. Cameron Gordon's <laughs> going to win it by himself. <laughs> well, notice how I threw <clears throat> me and Cameron Gordon in there. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about Cameron Gordon's gonna win. You're just gonna be there along for moral support. Right. So anyway, hey, look, you need a third. I got a dog. <laughs> you guys saw that. Huh? Yeah. But the whole point is, if you got two men and you think you can do it, that's fine. But no more than four people on a team, let's say, or we can do three. I don't care because really well, the wait, charity wait. bent. Well, let me finish the rules. Here's what I'm okay. thinking, and you can flesh out. We could suss it out a little bit, and then you can you can make modifications. Whatever the number of people on a team is, whatever up to so many people. But don't make it 10, like maybe three, maybe four. Everybody that's on that team kicks in 50 bucks. Or if we want to say it's 100 bucks a team or 150 bucks a team and you can have up to four people, I don't care how we do it. Because the real bend is to raise money for charity. But then yeah. whatever team brings in the most squirrels or if it's up to yeah, I guess you have to set it there. As I say, once you hit your limit, you got to hit your limit, mm-hmm. right? If you actually had two teams bringing the limit, whoever got in first, and give them half the pot, so it's a 50-50, like yeah. any 50-50 raffles. So and so those guys walk away with beer money. Yeah. And the rest all goes to charity. Yeah. Why not, man? And give it to, I don't know, give it to Ducks Unlimited, give it to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, yeah, give it to... whatever you choose. Or maybe this year we get away from hunting and say, throw it to Red Cross because, you know, they're... Spending a little money right now. How about Probably. this? <laughs> Winning team's choice. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. I like that. I was going to say, I thought about it. I think you'd have to set up a set number of people on the team because it wouldn't be fair two guys unless, unless they just wanted to chip in. Oh, I mean, honestly. Against like six teams of four. Uh, but, but I'll tell you if it's me and Cameron Gordon. Yeah. I was going to say, honestly, <laughs> if, if you think that you can come in with you and one other guy and you know this area good enough to hunt, with two people and beat a team of four, I'm not yeah, going to tell you you can't a hunt team a team of, four, of two. If a team of four limits out, then they're you know what I mean. It's not fair to them, even though they shot a two man limit. Well, you know the the thing is, you can have a team of four. We're going but by weight. All I'm going to bring a scale now. <laughs> no, I think well, yeah, I guess you could do that if I hit the limits, <laughs> but I think that's better. I think you're right. I think it should be a team of four. Yeah. Each so it's two hundred bucks a team. If you want to kick in two hundred bucks on three guys, that's on you. But two hundred bucks a team. And a 50-50 squirrel off. Squirrel off? Because I thought the original plan was doves. Well, that's no, different, huh? Charles Bronson. Okay. We've moved oh. down to Charles Bronson. 
I thought we were doing it for the dove shoot, too. Man, on the dove shoot, two shoot. doves might win the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially the way we shot the last couple times we went yeah. out. <laughs> I don't think Briar was there for that one. Boy, we shot. That was bad. Yeah. Did you go on that paid dove shoot last year? No, I didn't. Oh, I wasn't invited. Gosh. Oh, yeah, you had to have been invited. No, it I wasn't invited. went out to the group, didn't it, Briar? Or yeah. Jim? Nope. I can't invited. remember how I found out about it. I, I found out it, here. I found about it afterwards. I thought I put it out. Well, you were there in spirit. Yeah. yeah. You didn't sure. miss much except <laughs> watching other people shoot a lot of birds. Spent a lot of ammunition. <laughs> that guy's not doing it again this year? He did. It's already over. Oh, man. I know. thought you said he wasn't doing it. Yeah. I ain't been on a good old-fashioned southern dove hunting so long. I'd rather I'd pay the 120 bucks. I would not. Well, not you know me, what, though? Because I'm not a good enough of a shot. No, nah, man. But if matter. you've... It's more about the time than... The, tell you, it's over though, man. In early early September, there's a public field in. It starts with an A. I'm sorry, I'm not. Al, it's not Alfred. It's South Central Georgia, middle of nowhere, man. Yeah. And it's a farmer who puts his land in. He grows sunflower and some stuff like that, and they cut some of it and leave some of it standing. Uh, and I think there's corn. And they cut some of it and leave some of it standing. Um. In the whole damn county. Appling County. It's the Appling County Public Dove Hunt in Georgia. Sun. You come, definitely get Come sundown? No. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But, man, come sundown, those wings were thick. I mean, <laughs> blam, blam. But, dude, I'm not, when I say sitting out in lawn chairs, I'm talking guys barely off the road because you got to be a certain distance off the road to be legal. And I'm, I'm talking about old school lounger chairs just like you used to see on pool decks with the plastic straps across them you know what i'm saying oh yeah and a a, a cooler over here and a bird bucket over there and and (laughs) and the kids right little little youngins sitting around next to the chair that's the bird birds flying over yeah they're like wham 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 they don't even get out of the chair birds falling (laughs) the kids run over pick them up oh yeah it's funny man so there are some hunts that See, Even though that one, about. all you got to have is a hunting license. I think you pay a $10 access fee. Son, that, that's a bargain. I'm, but I'm talking about I, For that day, I'd pay 100 bucks to go to that. I'm talking about a good old-fashioned Southern. Like, when I was a kid, we'd go. My grandfather would take us. And, like, we wouldn't start hunting until 2 or 3 o'clock. You can't hunt till noon. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm saying it'd be noon and we'd still be cooking burgers or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Eat lunch. Meander out to the field, find you a spot, and start dove hunting, man. All right, so we got three. <laughs> we got three hunts in the books. Yeah, and yeah, we, we got doing Seminole Ranch, eleven twenty six, Charles Bronson on twelve seventeen, and then Seminole Forest, my all time favorite, on one twenty one. That is be- That is just everybody's Seminole got Forest. their own favorite chunk of woods, but for me, it's Seminole Forest. And everybody else, man. I know Cameron Gordon loves Econ. And Econ's got some really nice places in it, but Seminole Forest is just nostalgic. It just I can't uh, it doesn't get better than Seminole Forest. That is just a classic for me. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I can't help but just love Seminole Forest. Yeah. Well this year I'm hoping to bring you out to the big bloody old bloody pool where the deer went down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll bring you or I'm gonna bring you out with, uh, to the big pool of tears where on Sunday. <laughs> Did you we get with Justin? Did, did you get with Justin and and uh, get his buck that he wasn't able to hunt? Oh no, I need to do that, man. I need to take that guy to lunch, but um, 
I don't want to take him. No, I got to take. Oh no, 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 man! Because no. remember, oh yeah, I got to yeah. take Will because that's true. Like fifteen minutes into his doe tag, that doe tag was cashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all right. I think I'm taking Will for for my doe tag this year. So yeah, I'll definitely take. So we've you've got Muzzy in Seminole Rock, Fort, Springs. Rock Springs. I've got Muzzleloader in Rock Springs. Do you? Have, do you? Have it? Mm, I didn't put him for any tag. Oh, so we can take the whole crew. Yeah, but did did Will get it too? Because Justin's got, but I think Justin might have an, I think there's two weekends of Muzzler. I think Justin's on a different one. But long story short, we're all going to be in, we're all going to be in Rock Springs during right. Muzzler season. And if you don't have a Muzzler, I got one in, all right, I'll tell you the story. So I was in a, <laughs> I like bebop at these Twist small your towns. Arm, huh? And uh, it was, I think it's called Brennan, Georgia. I'm just driving through this little back, it's like, it's a tiny town and there's like one little back street. And all of a sudden I noticed there's a gun store there. And it's got reloading supplies. And I'm like, hmm. It says full complement of reloading supplies. And I'm like, we'll see. I'll, I'll um, be a judge of that. <laughs> well, I go in there and I start, I asked the fella in the store this. I said, do y'all sell shot? And he goes, well, and he comes out and he's looking at this shelf. Like shot comes 25 pound bags. And I'm like, this guy doesn't know what shot is. And then he goes over and he and he's a really nice fella and he's standing in front of Pyrodex pellets. He's like, "What do you use these for?" He said that the owner of the gun shop, the guy at the gun shop. And I'm like, "Well, those are the Pyrodex pellets that that's this black powder." And and then he's looking. They had Sabo, the little Sabot. Yeah. You know, you know, you don't use. That's why I use power belts. I hate using those Sabot things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, so I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to be polite. I'm like, something's missed here. But I I forget. Oh, I was gonna pick. I was actually gonna pick up power belts. I was gonna pick up um the the black powder. The uh, <laughs> not power belts. This uh triple seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Precast. So you don't have to measure your own power things. Yeah, Those yeah, things are called. Drop right? them down in there. Yeah. Oh, and, the, uh, the pellets of black powder? Yeah, I got them on the... Pyrodex. Yeah, Pyrodex pellets. I was going to put those, but triple seven. Did you say Pyrodex? I yeah. did, and then I forgot what they were called. <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> so I throw those things down there, and I'm looking around, and oh, I was going to buy a 20-gauge uh, boar snake from my shotgun, because I don't know what happened to mine. And I'm, I'm all happy. I'm like, oh, it's good sport, sport, small town. And I look in the back, and he's got a few guns for sale, and I, sw- I wander back, and I'm looking at these muzzle loaders, and the muzzle loaders are $175. For a uh, um, Connecticut Arms man, so the CVA, uh, CVA, that's right, Connecticut Valley Arms. So I'm like, it's eh, not bad price, but I want to. You got any wiggle room? He's like, yeah, we could probably take twenty, twenty five dollars off. And I'm like, all right, so now we're down to like one fifty, one sixty. And I'm contemplating. Kind of oh, oh, you know what? That came with a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, all right. So he brings out this cooler of Pyrodex pellets, of power belts. Of boar butter, um, man, they I'm missing something. The formula boar butter. What that, whatever, man. Green. I don't know, but it's, they changed it. It's it's like seventy dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, so hundred and fifty bucks, hundred six hundred sixty bucks, hundred sixty bucks for the muzzle loader and the power belts and the boar butter and the pyrodex. And I forget what else he threw in there, man. Caps. Oh, oh, a whole box. The shotgun of, primers. The whole box, the whole shotgun, prim- shotgun primers. <laughs> right? And I'm, I, I'm like, 
that's like a hundred bucks worth of stuff. And he goes, yeah, it all comes with it. And thankfully I had a moment of conscience. Cause I'm like, sir, is this your store? He's like, no, it's my buddy's store, but he's, he, his daughter's having a baby. And I'm like, I think we ought to call him. Calls up the owner. Baby's not there. Guy says, this feller's in here, wants to buy the muzzle loader. I told him we could take $25 off. Yeah, that's fine. And he gets all that stuff, right? The Pyrodex and all the stuff that came in the cooler. He's like, yeah, yeah, that all goes with it. And I was like, take my wallet. Yeah, that's when you're like, <laughs> here, take so my got, money, yeah. take my money. <laughs> no, 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 that's when you're like, eh, yeah, you know what? I guess that's not a bad price. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it, I guess. No, man, I, I don't do that. I, but I did walk back over to the counter where I had Pyrodex and power belts and everything else, and I put them back on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so as far as I'm concerned, I was about to go spend a hundred dollars on all this stuff anyway. Does it have iron sights on it? It does. It didn't have a scope, but I've got a I've got I'm, a scope that I need to mount. I probably anyway. trust that more than I trust mine. I was gonna say, sights. don't you have a flintlock? No, I got anything? a percussion cap. Or a percussion, yeah. So boys, but, the moral. Oh, by the way, there's, there's a percussion cap up there in that store too. Yeah. <laughs> but the moral of the story is, man, stop by them pawn shops and them little gun shops every now and again because sometimes. I'm never that guy that gets the deal. I was the guy that got the deal. <laughs> and uh, yes, I opened up, man. That muzzle loader was absolutely spotless. No Dang. pitting, no nothing. I mean, for whatever reason, if I go pull a, I drop the hammer on him, mean, it's, it's muzzle loader, right? If it doesn't, I'll take it to a gunsmith. I feel like I'm still up money. Yeah. So anyway, that was, that was, that's what I did during the hurricane. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan was out of power. Yeah, I hung out at Briars the whole time. Day after, yeah. That was. I didn't. I didn't get power back till Sunday. Sunday, I thought before then. Saturday night, might as well oh, call yeah. it Sunday. But it was too much for me. But speaking of hurricane, we are. Uh, I mean, it, soggy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, we we talk about hunting, son. Dare I say moist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering what I'm going to do for gator hunting. Inundated. Oh, you better improvise. I don't know what I'm going to I need to get some beef along what I need to do. Yeah. I think that's the only going to have to. You're going to have to use something that's going to draw them out of and the think, woods. Because they are up in the woods and people's yards. And I think I'm going to have to. Well, if I can fit under the culvert, you might know what I'm talking about. I yeah. That's what oh, I'm going to go Float, float the lung out there if I can fit under there. You ought to be able to fit under there. I don't think it's going up that high in that area. Like the water's up. Don't you're, get me wrong. Yeah, I don't so think your boat's not that high either, though. So. Yeah, well, I'm worried about the water level being because I don't fit under. So I'm saying your boat, like from the water to the top of your motor, it's not really that high. I, I might be able to squeeze it. Yeah, probably can. But, uh, you know, uh, with all this hurricane stuff and the complete inundation of water kind of brings us to uh, some wetlands type stuff. Yeah, man. In Florida, what was again, that? I feel so strongly about things two ways about like, I don't deny, hold on, I don't deny anybody their right to come to Florida because, you know, I got five generations been here between my great grandmother and my actually it's my great great grandmother. I don't know, man. It goes way back, but yeah. Um, 
it's nice down here and I don't yeah. I don't want to live in just, I don't want to live in Brooklyn you know, so, yeah, yeah. So I don't begin anybody want to come down, but at the same time, man, everybody that comes down here, it seems like, wants to live near the water, wants to live on the water, and it's causing some problems. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to feel like I've been in the construction industry for a while, and I'm not. Uh, it's two way street. Yeah, <laughs> not that I'm trying to be biased about it. But I've seen, just just from personal experience, a lot of housing developments that uh, just build in really, really, really wet areas. And they just pile a piss load of sand in there yeah, and then even, put even houses if, on it. Even if those houses stay dry, and hopefully, for the sake of the people that are buying those houses, hopefully they're doing the right thing so that they stay dry. But the water that used to gather there, you're displacing, goes someplace else. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I do have, I have a buddy. He lives on a lake in Lake Harney. This is a great guy. Got a very nice house, way high. But Lake Harney hit all time record highs. Came up like twelve and a half feet. Oh. This dude had two inches before it flooded his house. He had to go, and he had to caulk his doors. So that when people drove in their, drove by in their trucks or ran their ran their airboats or ran their mud motors down the street, me and Jordan that made a wake yeah. there <laughs> that it wouldn't it wouldn't flood into his house because the waves would come up and hit the house. So how was he getting out of his house? I, I the back door, probably. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But he, he, from what I understand, the only place he took any water in because it, it was at the foundation, right? And so it starts to weep a little bit. Yeah, took a little bit in his master bedroom, but he said he didn't like those floors anyway. <laughs> he's a very optimistic dude really good guy runs a lot of child care stuff um uh, you know but so but again here i am i've been to his house it's a beautiful house i would, i mean i'm jealous every time i go over there so how do i hate hate on that guy because i find myself and i've been posted on cameron gordon's house a uh, little facebook page he made some comment about it and i said you know i understand this whole thing about people wanting to move here i said but I want my I want my house on the river. So and once I get my house on the river, oh, y'all can no, go no, get no. stuffed up in high rises. But you can come over to my but, river but house and drink beer. Uh, that was that was Zach that posted that. I, I read that. Comment. Okay, yeah. Zach, yeah. I, uh, I I don't want to deep dive into this because I know it can get very biased. But um, uh, talking about like. You know, uh, housing developments, so you build houses, and it takes up, uh, per se, wetland areas, right? If if you have somebody that has the bank account to do it, you could buy uh, wetland, like, mitigation banking. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, which technically protects other wetlands somewhere else, but isn't it still, I mean, at that point, you're still when you get your flood stages and everything, you're still destroy, you're still displacing the water that would have been in that wetlands in that area. So that's a great question. So mitigation banking, as I understand it, and the reason it is generally beneficial is, let's say you've got one person buying a house isn't going to buy a mitigation credit because it's too expensive. But if you were going to go put in a Home Depot, yeah, 
and you know, cause you have a building's good size and usually there's it's attached to a whole bunch of other buildings and there's a big parking lot. The chances are that you're going to have a, um, maybe not a federal wetland, but at least a state wetland. It increases, right? Cause all you have to have is a couple of cattails and boom, you got yourself a wetland or well, technically cattails are invasive, but so they'll go buy a mitigation credit or two. And although you lose, like you were saying, you lose that little low lying area. But that just, credit gets applied to go restore maybe a pasture that got drained or maybe goes up to the North North Shore Lake Apopka to help restore that. That money goes into that mitigation area or goes out on the lagoon to help restore Mosquito Lagoon. So they sell, these land banks come in and they take over a whole area and then they sell those mitigations out of that, out of that area. And so you could buy the mitigations from over state, but it all goes into one area to help repair it. So you sacrifice in small areas that probably weren't holding a whole lot of your big megafauna or whatever to restore larger areas. So I like that. But it's kind of funny you bring that up because in the news, man, the Supreme Court's hearing some things on the Clean Water Act. Yeah. yeah. Was you, it a you family? Read that, didn't you? Huh? You read a little bit about yeah, that, Yeah, I read didn't a little you? bit. So it was a, a family kind of brought up. It was a couple. It, in the article, it says a couple. It doesn't say a family. The Sackets. But, yeah. Wanted to build a house, and uh, they kind of filled in a low-lying area. And then the EPA came out and gave them a good slap on the wrist. I was like, hey, can't do that. That's wetlands. Well, I think it was a little bit more than a little slap on the wrist, and that's why it's in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, probably. You know, because I think... All right, because I'll geek out, man. I'm the nerd. (laughs) As I understand it, what happened is they bought a lot near a lake. And I think the distance is 300 yards from the actual lake. Between their lot, there's already a road and already a row of houses that I assume are actually on the lake itself. So as part of their plan to build a house, they filled in a low area on that piece of property. I don't know. I don't know how the EPA found out. I assume Karen down the street. That'd be yeah. my guess. Karen yeah. turned them in, right? So the EPA apparently rolls up on these dudes and is like, not, you can't fill it in. It's too, you already filled it in. You know, here's your fine. And it's federal fine. And my guess is it probably also included like, take it all out and restore it. So the, this is one of those things I feel strongly both ways, right? You're a person who buys it and, and they don't know. Right, they just feel they just we're leveling our lot, and the federal government comes in and says you're screwed. But it's not, it's not something a layman would know. Yeah, yeah. But it's all the reason the, the EPA said they could do that is because under the Clean Water Act. All right, so the Clean Water Act, I'm not a lawyer, but it's supposed to cover all your navigable waters. Right, you can't go dump things in there, and it makes sense because you go down to Mississippi and. The Ohio and things like that, and you go down to some of these places, and they just they just been dumping barges of stuff back there in the day, right? Yeah, I would say, what is it? There's still uh, that one town where they still ask people to boil all their water. Yeah, is it the Potomac? I think so, but yeah, because yeah, because they used to have battery factories yeah. up there, right? So it's bad. My well, boiling water will take that. I don't know what's going on, but you know, so that's a whole thing. And then, but what's a navigable water? Like that's already kind of a gray area, because so the, I know that the navigable waters are. Certainly something you could push a barge down, or did they ever run, like, boats down it? 
and then you get into like, I guess it doesn't even have to be that. It could be canoes, but it just it also includes lands that are separated by levees or whatnot. And I guess the Supreme Court heard this earlier. And when they came down on a 5-4 decision, one of the justices said that it doesn't just include your navigable bodies of water, but also tributaries and the nexus of waters that flow into it. Yeah. So now you get into nexus of waters, man. That gets really nebulous. So if you've got a pond that holds water, but then that filters through the soil to a tributary to a navigable body of water, under that interpretation... That brings the EPA into your farm pond. Yeah. Right? And that's, so here's why I say I feel really strongly about it because I don't think, hopefully, and I don't want to piss anybody off, but I don't think any of us really want a federal authority to deal with our swimming pool or our bird oh, yeah. pond or so, our catfish pond. So it's that, like, line of what what is too much government. Right, and what's enough to keep? What is enough to keep the water, the air and water clean? And what is all right? Now you're now you're stepping in when you don't belong. Yeah, but at the you same I mean? time, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna argue against myself. <clears throat> yeah, what? I, I'm glad they're settling this. Yeah, because because when it's open, it gets ugly, right? And people yeah. people get hurt or, or or feelings get hurt at the very least. Man, I don't want them to peel it back so much that. Um, I don't, man, I don't want to pick at any particular industry, but it's some industry that happens to have a lot of runoff or a lot of water storage. So you, it, it, there's all kinds of different manufacturing, mining, farming can do that. Yeah, now they're dumping all, all kinds of crap in the water. Yeah, or whether it's, but even if it's not directly, like I'm sure they're not going to just put a, I mean, okay. an open sewer. But if they're say, storing it in a pit, that it just leaks out right next to the lake. So yeah, it's well, a problem. Good, good point. So like the Mississippi River, like if you dump something in like. Missouri, you know, what's going to happen down Mississippi, Louisiana, and further south on the river? You yeah. know what I mean? Even though they're up in, you know, Missouri up north, way north on the river, but if something gets dumped or like you said, it's just close enough where it's leaking off into the river, what's affecting further on down south of the line? Yeah. So, so I stepped out to get a, a can of dip, but um, at, when I stepped back in, I heard you say that, you know, uh, you – it it obviously needs to be settled, right? But I'm glad it ain't me making the decision. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you really think about it, to it, what it's going to do is it's going to come down and get settled. It's going to create a case law, and a case law is like, the precedence. It's yeah. It's it's really a double edged sword because it's either going to set a good precedence or a bad precedence. So my, or that could go either way. So I, I said mean, it's so, a double edged sword. So what some people are going to think is good, other people are going to think is bad. Yeah. You know, and it may, so it's kind of, it, it's really like we were talking about, like, it's that fine line of, like I was saying, what's going to be too much government and what's going to be not enough. It's like the people deleting the diesel exhaust fluid stuff out of the truck. Too much government. Yeah, that's too much, obviously. You know, but, but it's like, there's also a question is, using that same track, I mean, does the government need to be doing that? I don't think so, but, you know, somebody else down the road might yeah, think they are. Joe Blow next door may think that, yeah. But the diesel exhaust isn't as a broad spectrum as this could be. You know, it'd be nice if everybody would just be reasonable. Man, if you've got a whole pile of pigs 
in a dense farm area, hopefully you're doing things to mitigate runoff. If you're doing heavy manufacturing, I'd like to think that, and I do think in the long run, that if some if there's a corporate manufacturer that's really a bad actor, and it gets out that man they are really doing bad juju, consumers will punch them in the mouth by just not buying their products. I, I know yeah. that happens, but man, when you're talking about polluting water, once that, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle. Oh, I was going to say too, you you got to think, you know, Briar kind of mentioned uh, the Mississippi, but. Florida is just a massive estuary. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, well, the Mississippi—it's a long, <laughs> long body of water. Yeah, well, we're uh, several states away. Oh, but the the whole state of you Florida know. is just a, a an estuary. It's a huge swamp where everything. Well, what we when we talk to uh, everything south of Sand Lake Road is Everglades, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, I I'm not kidding. Gentleman's, I forgot For the gentleman's real. name. What's his? Uh, did the he's doing the cleanup in uh, Big O right now. Oh, Mike uh, Elf. Mike, Mike Elf, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to him talking about a little damp. His yeah. neighborhood so, down in Fort oh Myers. Oh, my gosh. I mean, clobbered. oh, he lives in On Fort that. Myers? I don't think he's actually right in Fort Myers, but he, he his he neighborhood was in the water. Yeah, I don't know if his house was wet or not. So, but. talk about, okay, this hurricane and all this flooded area and all these people that have septic tanks, not that it... Oh, that's I mean, leaching, 100% right now. The, the ground is so saturated, that is leaching. And Orlando's yeah. underwater. That's the headwaters of, Ever, of the Everglades right there. So what, all that dumping more water into the Everglades now? We can and prob- what's in that water? Yeah, we could probably have Nyla Pipes on. That's, a, that's her that was, thing. That was like from Orlando being flooded like it is. What's going to be in the water? How is this going to affect the Everglades? Because it's all running that way. It, that's, it's putting all that crap in. It helps algae blooms, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't know, man. And it also affects... Like, I know that's a big deal up in the springs, like the springs areas up in North Florida because a lot of septic tank runoff, especially on the old houses that are on the old rivers. I mean, we should probably bring an expert in on that. But I got Yeah. You were talking I about mean, the it's Mississippi. Just a question, you know what I mean? I, I think <laughs> it's a good observation. You talk, I just read a book called Life on the Mississippi by Rinker Buck. It's actually, don't know this fella, but he's a. So we need to get him on. He's a, he's a New England, that'd uh, be nice. He's a New England fella. I don't think he's a sissy, but at the same time, I mean, he's just a little, little bit of a, just, I don't think he's really cut out, but he, to, to his credit, he did it, man. He built this flats boat, like 19, 1890s, early 1800s, big ass wooden flats boat, put it in the Monongahela. So like you say a flats boat, like we're, we're not thinking like a Florida flats boat. You're thinking like a, it's like a big flat barge essentially. Yeah, like the way they used to move commerce by okay. poles back in the Mark Twain okay. days and earlier. Yeah. Okay. And it historically, it's fantastic. Man, like you really, I don't know why they don't teach more of this in school. We always think about people going west, like basically leaving the Oregon Trail and stuff like this. The number of people that went west during that migration compared to the people that once once they got over the Alleghenies and came down the rivers because there was no roads, sun. All those people went to New Orleans. They started up around Pittsburgh. Yeah. And they would float down to Monongahela all the way down the Ohio and come down the Pittsburgh and or to come down the Mississippi. And that's before there was any flood control, before there was any, like they were running rapids in these things. Yeah. And the reason that they were able to do it is because they were so big. I guess that they were, the standard width was like 16 feet. But some of these things were 200 feet long. They were all, just so big, they stayed afloat. All made of wood. 
and fully loaded down. So, man, if you're rolling down the river and you hit a rock, that's man, it. Boat, no, Toast. boat just rolls right over it, man. Oh yeah, yeah. But people would they would get stuck on barges and have they would get stuck on sandbanks and have to wait for floods to come float them off. But where I was going, my long word narrative, man. I'm sorry about yeah. this, but in this, he talks about when he's going through the locks on the Ohio, like his first big ass where they put like big barges and stuff and they fill it all up. And, um, when they open the gate to come out, like after all the water is leached out, like that there's mattresses and beach balls and just all this crap that comes floating out of the dike. Right. That's just in the Ohio river. Like in the way he describes it, it's, it's, it's like a dump. It's just a field of crap floating down the Ohio. Mm. Right, because it's so big and so long, and people running up and down this thing since the 1700s, and you know, people don't think like, well, I won't go back and get that cooler, or eh, I don't need this beer can, right? But all that's been going on for hundreds of years, and it's all in our rivers, right? So it's all in our lakes. I mean, how, when's the last time, Jim, that you went? on a lake here in Florida and didn't see a bottle of water or a beer can or something floating around. No, nah, man, I try to pick you them know, up. No, I see. Uh, yeah, but I'm saying that you didn't see one that you, to pick up. Oh. When's the last time that we went and did a cleanup and cleaned up that road? And if you went down to the next week, it looked pretty good, but probably a month after that, they were right back. You know, yeah. like, uh, we need to do saying. another cleanup. But, Florida, you know. uh, Florida duck hunters just teamed up with, I assume, the Lake County Water Authority. Yeah, and did a huge cleanup on the Harris chain. Well, I'm glad I, I'm sad I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man, but on the whole Clean Water Act to wrap that up, I hope they get it right. I hope that they are able to, or if they vacate some previous standings, I hope that partisanship gets set aside. Yeah. And people can set aside that, man, you can't just say that every mud puddle is covered under federal jurisdiction. I'd love to say that realistically it'd be nice if we could just leave it up to states, right? Yeah. Except you get influences and things so, or all of a sudden you'll have one state that'll have incredibly lax regulation and it'll become a cesspool and a dumping ground and another state that won't literally won't allow you to water your lawn. So, I mean... I think leaving it up to the states would be the way to go. And if the Supreme Court decided against this, and I say against, like, okay, the EPA couldn't do that, does that then leave it to the state, or is that federal now? And that's the end-all, be-all. We need attorney on staff. I think that if they – I don't think that they, they – I don't think they repeal the entire act. I think that they – Yeah, it's not – I'm saying portion. it's not saying it's repealing the entire yeah. act, but – what I'm saying is, does that leave it up to the state to be the authority? No, I think so. They just, a had point, a, they, just had a, they just had another case, the EPA, where they came along and said, no, that, no, 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 no. That was a big deal that. with the, the diesel exhaust. Well, I think it was. was you, yeah, I so think. they said that if it, the, the legislation has to do their job. Yeah. They might get kicked back that way, but like I said, I, I don't know what's, what the end's going to be. And I know I'm kind of monopoly. I'm going it's on a monologue here. at this point. I'm just saying that as a guy who both really doesn't want the government in my life, but as a guy who 
deeply values, especially water. Yeah. I mean, all the scuba diving, I did the fishing, we do the duckling, we do. I used to be an open water swimmer. I need to start doing that again. I love the water. Yeah. Right? So, man, like, like I said, I feel really conflicted both ways because I'm really not a big fan of government. I'm not saying that's unnecessary. I'm not an anarchist. But I don't necessarily think we need any more of it. But at the same time, man, don't mess with my water. Like, yeah. I've there's a few things where I just... Just it's hope just, they get it's, it right. It's one of those things where it's a really, really fine line. I wonder. And you just. Right. It, it, it's tough to decide where it should be so, drawn. This, this is my opinion on it, right? State waters. When I say state water, I mean, I don't. That, like, that's not leaving out like the Mississippi, the Ohio, those big rivers that flow through several states. That's federal. Gotta be. Gotta be. Yeah. Because well, then you said that, like Jim that's one no question. That's lacks, constitutional. That's if one, commerce, interstate commerce. Yeah. So one that one state can't affect another state, but in that case, it can, right? Yeah. But like Florida should have control of the Harris chain. There's no reason sure. Washington D.C. should be coming over here and telling us what to do in the Harris chain. I don't know because the Harris chain flows down the Oklahoma, which flows Oklahoma out to the Saint John's, Saint which flows John's. out to the river. Saint John's flows, flows all the way out to the Atlantic Ocean. Ocean. You can go. You could go from Lake Apopka to India if you wanted to. Never touch land. That's that is a big. That's what I'm saying. It draws it draws a huge gray line because I was fixing to say the same thing that Jim said is you could go all the way to the ocean from Lake Apopka if you wanted to. But as far as uh, my point is, as far as like that should still be a state it, issue. It's tributaries to have the possibility to reach that effect, the, though. But if you did that, then now, then. You would be saying every bottle of water in the state, in the country, is doing that. So maybe because there's, I, I can see there's got to be thing, a line, but I can the see, state takes oh, control. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's the that is the local. The people in the state are aware of the problems in that state. Well, I agree. Like so, I said, like the Mississippi, the Ohio, those rivers. Maybe we can let the feds kind of do some stuff there. But I don't right? even go so right on through to Lake Apopka because we just. It's all navigable waters, and it has yeah. been as historically. It's been that's why those dock, lakes, are de- lakes are there. But okay, so Lake Apopka, the canals going into Lake Apopka, that's fine. I'll even go so far as to say the retention ponds that are supposed to gather stuff before it flows into Lake Apopka. But at what point? And actually, it's, they were talking about distances in that suit. Is it one mile away? Is it three miles away? Is it 150 yards? But like I don't think saying. they should be into your catfish pond. But like you were right? saying. Okay, so what if you have a catfish pond that's two miles away from Lake Apopka? That water can still get into Lake Apopka. And then Lake Apopka, you say you go away to India if you wanted to. That's why I'm glad I'm not making the decision. <laughs> yeah. We got to move mean? on because right in the pursuit, yeah. you, you start hearing listeners falling off on the radio but, yeah. or their podcast thing. But along other water-related, this is really cool if you haven't already fallen asleep on our discussion about government. We found the Audubon Society's my, oh damn! What's it called? Migratory bird. Yeah, I wasn't gonna give away our uh, our secret there, but that, oh, let's go man. for it. No, no, no! This is this is too good. You gotta give it away. Tell me so, what the TLR, Jim. We can actually do that if we want to pause the podcast, but I think it's called the. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we need to pause it. I think we can talk about other stuff while you go. I mean, if it. they can look that up and it's public information. So Audubon Society has their, where the teal gonna be at? Their Jim is bird, on Jamie right now. Yeah, bird migration <laughs> explorer. And it's not just about waterfowl, but you can narrow it down to just waterfowl. In fact, you can narrow it down to the species. And 
it's got all this stuff about tagged species. So there's going to be somebody in northern New Mexico or southern Colorado that is probably going to write in and say, you sons of bitches. You just... I'm blow you up a little bit. It's not that narrow, but... Yeah. So we pull up pintails. And there's all these yellow dots from all these tracked pintails that... I don't know who tracked them, but... And... Uh, it goes through this timeline on the bottom where you can see what time of year it is. So if you start in January, the the birds primarily are kind of spread out all through Texas, New Mexico. They're ping-ponging back and forth quite a bit between the Gulf Coast of Mexico and like all the way into West Texas and New Mexico and, and Colorado. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. By about April... Man, they're like balls on a pool table. They go north, and some of these things, some of these ducks that were in, let's say, Houston, are all the way up into Russia. Like they go all the way up over Alaska, and they're all the way into Russia, right? And they, they they're all over, just scattered Hudson Bay, and Canada's a huge place. They're scattered all over the place, but then it's almost like magic. The first week of November, all of them. Every single, and there's there's got to be 50, 60 different ducks they're tracking. Every single one of them is in one location. And you can't narrow it down that much, but it's somewhere in either southwest Colorado or northeast New Mexico. Every single one. You can see it. We're watching it actually yeah. play through. I mean, July, we're in August. September, October, and then they had to boop, look at that, right there. They're, they're all right in that one place. <laughs> and then they start ping-ponging yeah. back and forth between that. And they go. Anyway, so for all of you that are listening to this, if there is a particular species that you would like to t- hunt. Pause it. So the greatest thing about this tool is if there is a species of migratory bird, whether it's waterfowl or anything else that's legal, sandhill cranes, I guess it's still waterfowl, that you want to hunt and you want to know roughly where are they going to be and what time of year, you can use this tool on the Autobahn to figure out. It's you can't. It's not pinpoint. It's not telling you what. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty broad. You can get. But a, the point is, is like you can get a region of a state to go yeah. that you want to hunt in a particular time of year. Yeah, I would say that if, uh, like, hypothetically, if you happen to going to be in New Mexico in early November, well, that's the thing. Early November is not duck season. No, it'd be late November. Well, there it might it might change. I don't they know. They change the season like per from state kind of north as they migrate. Yeah. To, well, I think it's more region. Like the southeast over so far, maybe it is like. I don't know if it goes all the way to Louisiana, but Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, we all kind of have roughly the same time. Well, put it this way. I would say that so. if you want to go kill pintails, and actually it's funny because I've hunted them there this time, <clears throat> I'd put your butt in West Texas, like Northwest Texas in December, yeah. early December, because the migratory patterns, those birds are banging around back and forth like crazy. Yeah. Between Colorado, New Mexico, and the east coast of Texas. And it's still hit or miss if you hit it on the right day, you know. Or you can hit it on the wrong day, and they're in New Mexico when you're in West Texas, you know. But your chances are going to be, I bet you, I, we haven't done it, but we could do it with teal. We could do it with everything. I mean, a lot of things you know in teal, right? Teal are going to be blowing through here, all the way heading to Cuba and Jamaica and whatever. Yeah. 
they're gone now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's honestly pretty crazy watching this map on how when they are here, how much they bounce around. Yeah. Yep. So that's it's not really a tip of the week. That is the uh, under pressure outdoors to all of you that like to hunt waterfowl. It is the Autobahn Migratory Bird Explorer. It's a really cool thing. And I'm I'm a little bit of a birder just because you sit in a deer stand. I'm like, what's that bird? What's that bird? What's that bird? And Brian, you've had, I've made yeah. you chase down like Rosie at Spoonbills before, <laughs> right? Um, I, I just like to know my birds. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. So it's kind I of think a neat thing cool to know thing. what you're looking at. Yeah. yeah. And Audubon, you take a new hunter with you and he's like, what's that bird? And you're like, uh, it's not a duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, James Audubon was a hunter. Like people <laughs> yeah. wonder, like, you wonder like, how did he draw them fancy pictures of birds? He was hunting them. Because <laughs> they weren't moving when he was drawing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And supposedly, and I don't want to knock the Audubon so they do a lot of good work, and, but there's a lot of people in Audubon that are not necessarily... Pro-hunter. I, I don't want to say they're anti-hunter, but they don't necessarily do the same things in the woods that we do. They're shooting the but, birds with a camera, though? You know, they're a conservation organization. Yep. As long as they are not hostile, openly hostile to what we do, then uh, that's okay. Yep. All right, man. What else we got? Man, there's all kinds. Oh, of Oh, what stuff about them walleye fishermen? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. tournament. So, oh man, yeah. it's been a great podcast. Now we're gonna get dirty. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, we gotta jump on that bandwagon. So huh? I'm gonna go ahead and and, and and jump back to TikTok for this. Uh, and the guy on TikTok may have been wrong, but I'm just gonna say that I saw there's, on the there's TikTok. There's a good chance on TikTok he might have been wrong. He seemed like he knew what he was talking about. Uh, he was talking about weights and stuff. But uh, from what he was talking about, he was like, if you look at it, if these guys wouldn't have cheated, they still would have won the tournament. He was like, based on the amount of weights that they had in those fish and how far above they were above the second place person, he was like, they still would have had the fish. Why? Why'd you even cheat? You still would have had the tournament, even if you didn't use the weights. That makes it even worse, though. Uh, they, even if they did win, even if they would have won without cheating, that makes it worse. Then why are you cheating if you would have won anyway? Well, that's the thing is, apparently these guys are pretty good walleye fishermen. And how, I didn't know this that in those big tournaments, because there's so much money at stake, when you win, they subject you to a lie detector test. They that's do that like, with bass tournaments too. Yeah, that's just like common practice. I didn't know that. So one of those dudes last year failed a polygraph test and they disqualified him. But they said, oh, we would never cheat. We would never cheat. But as I understand it, they've been turning in some pretty sizable numbers. Like I think they've won three or four tournaments. But in this particular tournament up in Cleveland, apparently it was all a pretty hard weekend of fishing. Like some dudes didn't catch any. And then these guys show up. Would they turn in with a full bag? 38 pounds of fish, supposedly. Yeah. But the dude that runs the whole show, who's a pretty good judge of fish when he walked by looked in their bin and said ah it's garden variety five pounders so this, you know, let's face it you handle a lot of fish you know what they weigh mm-hmm. so Bro, I don't even handle fi- a lot of fish and I can look at a five pound bass and tell you it's not a ten pound bass right yeah. so when they put these five pound bass on the scales and they're coming at eight seven five yeah like, like apparently people in the crowd when they weighed their fish were like bullshit <laughs> <laughs> no. so, yeah they want we're gonna look can we see your fish the guy's yeah. like Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> like you want to do yeah. what? Dude, they looked guilty when they were weighing. <laughs> like but so me and Hunter talked about this I wish in the I stand. Yeah. Seen it. Me and Hunter 
talked. Well, you can see it. It's all it's all over TikTok, bro. I hadn't seen. I hadn't come across. I've seen all, memes I've seen on Facebook, tons of videos. Um, but but if you catch a five pound fish, you're gonna cheat. Like take your five pound fish to push it up to five pounds. Four ounces. I know. That's what me and Hunter were talking about. Not five to eight pounds. Yeah. You're talking about uh, like a small enough fish to where a pound a difference in the size of that fish is clearly visible. Yeah. And Hunter's like, bro, I mean, you think like people may do that in uh, in, like offshore tournaments or something too, but like it's easier when you're weighing in a 400 pound marlin to add five pounds to it. Right, but to add, add like two pounds to a five, five pound, pound fish, fish. you're yeah. like, okay, something's wrong. Some, the part I thought was funny that is fish is awful bloated, isn't mm-hmm. it? Well, they were they were they were stuffing them with fish fillets too. Yeah, and I don't know. I'd love to. I hope somebody writes X-ray. more of this. Is is I'll bet that they started out with fish fillets, right, to get those couple ounces like we were talking about. And if somebody picks it up, it feels like a fish, right? It doesn't have any hard spots in it. But I think if I read it correctly, they were pulling eight ounce weights out of the fish. Yes. That's half a Jeez. pound. Yeah. I mean, how do you not get caught? Throw some bullet weights. <laughs> <laughs> You're throwing deep sea weights in there. <laughs> so why? Eight ounces. <laughs> how do they get it? Uh, how do they get the fish to like inside the fish? Because the just, fish has to be alive when you weigh it. You drop in, it through right? his foat. No, they were dead. I thought the fish had to be alive. That's Bassmasters. Yeah, they look like. Yeah, well, from they don't what do that like with walleye. They were dead. They don't have to do that with walleye. Or they I may know. have just been dead because they had, you know. Well, a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they packed the freaking thing full of fillet, fish fillets and lead weight. Yeah, it's dead. From the walleye fishermen I know, throwing away a good sized walleye is pretty much crime anyway, man. There's no such thing as a catch and release walleye fisherman. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm Going off of my experience with like Bassmasters, shoot, was it MLF? They don't even keep them in the live well. They weigh them and throw them back right there. Yeah, some of them do. You have an officiant like with you, or yeah, it's MLF. They got they weigh the they weigh the fish right on the boat. There's a the other guy on the only other guy on the boat is like they might have a co-angler. I don't know, but the only other guy on the boat is like he's the tournament guy. He's like the referee or whatever you want to call him. I can't remember what they call him. Just call him and the they officiant. Were, yeah. yeah. You know me, man. I, to me, the whole thing is like a black science. I, I do not understand the appeal. I do not go catch fishing to catch fish. I'm going to let go. Yeah. But then, no. like I said, they, they weigh them and then they toss them back. Right, they don't even put them in the live well. Yeah. But like Bassmasters and what is the other one? Um, not MLF. Uh, shoot, what is it? Anyways, like Bassmasters. You got they got Toyota Series. The, yeah. Well, they got Bassmasters has a different series, and then there's another one. I can't think of what it is right now. It is what it is. Anyways, they show up when they do the weigh-in. Those fish have to be alive. Like if, if that fish dies, they get docked so much weight. I, well, you know, whether what? If, it, if it was a two-pound bass, they're still getting docked five pounds or whatever it is. If you're not gonna eat them. Like I don't go fishing for fish that I intend to release. Yeah. But inevitably, like if I'm out trout fishing or if I'm out, well, I'm just catch trout and redfish at the same time. So I might get my three trout. Yeah. And But I'm trying to hit that redfish, right? And I'll catch another trout. Well, if I catch another trout, man, I'm not dinking around with them. I'm letting them go right away. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to take care of the fish. Or if I catch a short, you know, and I try not to rip the guts out of them. If it, if it swallowed the hook, 
I mean, it's just, I used to f- try to fight and finesse the hook up. I could tie a hook faster than I get a hook out of a gut, gut hooked fish, right? Just cut well, it off and using, let it go. If, if you're using steel hook, it's probably going to rust out anyways. Right. Yeah, so, especially in the salt water, be gone in a day. I want to be real careful for anybody listening that I'm not out there pillaging the resource. Yeah. What I'm saying, though, is that's part of the reason I'm not a tarpon fisherman. And I think we've talked about that in the podcast that if for some reason I've decided to go catch tarpon and I, you get that one, I'm going to go catch my one tarpon and I don't want some big, necessarily monster lunker. Yeah. Because if I catch it, I'm keeping it, and everybody I know is getting smoked fish. <laughs> so it's going to be, man, you're getting dipped. So <laughs> it's like, I just, and, and somebody might listen and say, oh my God, don't you? Like, no. And if that makes me a bad person in your eyes, and so be it. Because I, I don't hate catch and release fishing or anything. Then I'm yeah. just, it, to me, it's just. It's a different like, breed. Yeah. I'm like, well, if you get, but then again, I also like watching birds. But I hunt yeah. birds. That doesn't mean I still don't like watching little tweeties. I don't I mean, know why. You know how many times I speculated on what manatee tastes like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go out and get kill a manatee just so I can try it. I don't know, man. I wish but I could. They, but. they ate other manatee species to extinction. Like the, 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 the man- somebody's stellar sea cow was out like in Hawaii and things like that. They ate them all. Yeah, because they taste good. I, 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 I know they taste good. They gotta be. Yeah. That's why they. Were, it's not because they ran into boat props. That's not why yeah, they were going yeah. extinct. They yeah. didn't have props back then. They were harpooning those suckers out of canoes. Well, up, I, well I mean, uh, like here in Florida, the sea cow, right? Yeah. They weren't all dying because they were getting hit by boat props all the time. You, you know what else tastes? They were good? getting ate. Yeah. You know what else tastes? Is, is it supposed to be incredible? Green sea turtle. They yeah. were still. They were still eating them things in the Bahamas so, like ten years ago. Actually, and sea turtle I, eggs. They say the sea turtle eggs are just. They say the best eggs are the ones that are still inside the sea turtle. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> used to know an an old oh, guy. Turtle and, shell glasses yeah, were actually yeah. made out of turtle shell at one point. I I know an old guy. Uh, he's passed away since, but lived in the Panhandle. That would donate Indian money. Indian pass. Yeah, w- would donate money. To the sea turtle people, like donate large amounts to try and help like the population, because his hopes were that if he donated enough money, he'd be able to eat them again one day. Yep, have, I'm all for that. And you know what sucks is are we getting overrun by manatees? I think so. Yeah. No, not yet. but the great that'll thing never that that'll I talk never about all the time that St. Joe Bay man. If there's anybody out ever that wants to see turtles, like if it's just your thing, and you're like. Oh, turtles just are my soul animal or whatever. They, what do they call it? Spirit animal? Yeah. Yeah. I, you go with me to St. Joe Bay in July, and there are very few things I'm willing to guarantee. But you give me two days in St. Joe Bay, and I guarantee we are going to see sea turtles. Yeah. We didn't even have to go look for them. We're just going to go trout fishing. There it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> They're everywhere. That place is... That place is the the Tigris and Euphrates of sea turtles, man. Sea mm. turtle civilization comes from St. Joe Bay. <laughs> oh, man. I was talking about that this subject the other day, and I was telling somebody how good Sandhill Crane tastes. I had that for lunch today. Oh, did you? you Lucky did. you. <laughs> Found it back. Bro, did you ever get to try it when we had a bunch at the house? Yeah, yeah. You brought some over here one time. We cooked That's it right. Okay. It was. It was worth it. 
Oh, that stuff like, is amazing. Man, I was so illegal to hunt in Florida. It makes you want to poach. Almost. Not that I'm gonna, but it just it it all it, it's it's that good that you're like mm. you'll think about it. You're not gonna yeah. do I'm it. I'm not gonna hit the brakes. But you'll this see one in the road. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, while we're on the podcast, I'm I'm dinking around with this Autobahn site. I'm oh, looking at is. this Autobahn site. You can track crows, dude. <laughs> I, I don't I don't need to track them. I know where they are. Yeah. <laughs> so I got blue wing teal on the migration right oh, now. Oh <laughs> man, yeah, Maryland cinnamon teal. Yeah, um, there, there was one in Merritt Island. Holy moly, look at all those suckers. Where they at? Uh, the computer's faced the wrong way. All over the place, man. The United States is covered in them. Cinnamons? No, no, blue wings. But blue they're, wings? Not, they're not moving. What's wrong with this thing? Wi-Fi or something. Awful lot of dots on this. And the, you know the funny part about it is that they're not on the East Coast. They are... Central. They're all in the Central Flyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I've shot green wings in Louisiana. Notes. I've never shot blue wings there, though, I don't think. Hmm. Um, you got, man, oh, and yeah. uh, this, we, we kind of talked about the hurricane earlier, and uh, I'm I'm a little concerned with what our complete inundation of water is going to do. I, I don't know. I think you're, some of our, like, wood duck spots, I think they'll be back there by the time hunting season comes around. Back to kind of normal water yeah. areas well they're gonna be back to their normal areas i think they're a little shook up right now i mean i seen a black belly on the side of 44 the other day <laughs> by itself i'm like oh man that bird's lost but he, no i mean like uh we have so much water in other places now it's, it's to me i just feel like it's really gonna spread them out it, it could i think it's gonna spread out a lot of other birds other than like i think it's gonna affect your whistlers yeah a lot more than... Or, or your migratories. Eh, I don't know about, like, ringers and stuff. I don't see it affecting them a whole lot. It'll affect your dabblings and your, your dabbling ducks and your uh, your blue wings Teal. and stuff like that, yeah. Teal. Uh, but I tell I you what, think... our teal spot from last year may be on fire, son. It might be. It might, but it, there might be too much water. There, oh, that's true. Yeah, but they might be close to there. Yeah. The only thing is, is like I was tell, telling you the other day, if we see them, we got to get on them. We can't fart around on them. Oh, they're gonna move. Yeah, for sure. So watching the teal ping pong back and forth, and oh, there's some going down. One of them goes out there to Bermuda or something like that. But they're down yeah. in Mexico too, man. Yeah, in Cuba. But man, for the most part, these teal that they got tracked, they're starting out somewhere up there in like British Columbia and Saskatchewan. The whole thing, all of a sudden, about, as you think, late September, man, it's everybody to Texas. Yep. <laughs> all at once. <laughs> God loves Texas, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Everything's so, better in Texas. Yeah, apparently whatever whatever this thing's tied into is, is obviously only watching the central flyway. Um, I got wood ducks. See, I mean, you see a, shoot, some a few shoot down towards Florida. Yeah, but they're all running back up here. And, yeah. And but, you, you should see a whole pile of them running down Florida. Yeah. Right? At but they're only time. tracking a certain amount of ducks, too. Yeah. So, what about wood ducks on there? Well, you know, if it's not going to bore everybody, I'll, I'll throw some wood ducks in here and see what Just happens. Just curious, you know. Because um, a lot of the, I don't know if, they, I knew they do migrate, but do they really migrate that much? I think we're fixing to find out if they even right, have well, any. We'll see. It takes a while for this thing to catch up because we... Running uh, solid some 1990s technology here. 
Oh yeah. But while while this thing is deciding what it's going to do with wood ducks, so moving on from uh, chasing wood ducks and all this stuff, you know, we were, we were kind of BSing here during a little potty break, but um, we started talking about dogs and different bird dogs, and I was talking because I'm allergic to them, and hopefully when my son moves out. We might go get a championship dog. So I don't know. But that led to the talk about um, the plight of quail in the United States, man. The Bob, the old Bob, man, the gentleman Bob. Bob that, White. You know, we're, I, I hunt a lease. I don't hunt, well, I hunt. I don't hunt quail on a lease. We have a lease that we hunt deer and turkeys on and squirrels. That reminds me of a joke, by the way. Go ahead. Interrupt my story. Read a joke. Go ahead. So this <clears throat> fellow had... Um, a bird dog, best quail dog you ever seen. If he went on point, you could guarantee that dog was pointing the quail. And him and his buddy was out hunting one day, and they come across this kid, and the dog pointed on this kid. And the guy's like, "Son, you got some quail in your pocket or something?" He's like, "No, no, no, I ain't got no quail in my pocket." He's like, "Well, did you eat quail for lunch?" He's like, "No, I didn't eat no quail." And then they're like. They're flabbergasted why this dog is pointing at this kid, right? And then they go, well, son, what's your name? He says, Bob White. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, a fucking dad joke. I'm going to actually keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think That's Jerry, a great joke. Well, I, was that Jerry Clower? I don't know. It was some comedian I got it from, and they told it a little better because I'm sure they remembered all the flowery details in there that made it a little bit better. That dog. Yeah. But that lease is loaded with them. Or in past that, I haven't seen any of this year, which is troubling because I'm talking about that I would, where we where I'd go in and, and fresh mow to have a shooting trail. You know, sometimes I'm bebopping down that thing and all of a sudden it's instant heart attack. It's just, I mean, quail, 30 and 40 of them just taking off and like, holy moly, we've got quail everywhere. And there's a couple places on that, but that's because we accidentally made good quail habitat. And the farmer who used to farm there, because he's now retired, another farmer's doing it. The old farmer used to leave quite a bit of bushy area around the fields. It wasn't fence to fence, but the new fella came in and has pushed the peanut fields and the cotton fields basically fence to fence. And sure enough, we're not seeing as many quail as we used to. Mm. And that's happening all over the place. And, um, and I don't know. I don't know why, because I enjoy hunting an awful lot of things. But if if they ever said that you can only hunt one thing, for me it would be quail behind a dog, specifically Brian Irish's dog Murphy. I just love watching that dog work. No offense, Briar. Murphy's yeah. pretty close second. <laughs> I tell my wife I'm cheating on her with Murphy. <laughs> um, only time, not anything else. It just kills me, man. If uh, I'm thinking about Sid Curtis is coming Saturday, I'm thinking about donating, you know, becoming a life member of Quail Forever. Yeah, right. Because I don't know what my it's a lot of money, but I don't know what that would. I mean, I'd solve the problem. Maybe it won't, but I don't know why I'm chatting so much about it. But I I really worry. We talk about different areas where hunting will be taken away from certain people. Because you can bet, and I love hunting some of these places too. You go to an honest guy quail plantation where, yeah, there's still some wild clay running around that were probably at one point, they are the handful that managed to survive that were pen raised, and most of them don't. But there's other places 
where it is an absolute fortune and they really are hunting wow, wild yeah. quail, but they are spending a fortune on keeping perfect habitat. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about we'll the We were talking of, about this the other day when you said you passed through Thomasville. Perfect example. Right. So there's some of the best quail plantations on the planet there. But I mean, and I don't know exactly what the feed to get into some of them are, but it ain't 10 grand. It's more. Yeah. And then, like your is that dues, like a yearly lease or just for one? No, month? that's for oh, the that's hunt. that's like your annual maintenance is ten grand a year. Yeah. Plus, when you go, you pay. Plus, you pay for your lodging. It's like being a part of a country club, but that's not your initiation fee. Like I think some of these places, and I'm, I mean, I may be off. Like I think some of these places, you drop six figures to have the privilege of then paying ten grand a year to then have the privilege of paying for every time you go hunt, and yeah. that's not cheap. So you're talking about. Like the top 1% of the top 1% will be able to go hunt, honest to God, wild quail. But the, it's, it's like hunting them in a stadium for quail. Yeah. And then all the guys like us that just kind of like kicking around and, and just busting brush for the couple of quail. Like if you, I mean, for the guys that are out there truly hunting wild quail that around here are going up to Ocala or going out to some of the WMAs, a whole quail, a great day, like a good day, is one covey. Let's face it. When you're walking out there, it's beautiful. It's never a bad day. Oh, but yeah. a good hunting day is you bust at a covey. Yeah. A great day is two to three coveys. Man, you have, we've had one or days, a couple, one or two times, we've busted four or five coveys connected on like six or seven birds. And those are the days where you feel like you should run to 7-Eleven and pick your lottery numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's... See, that's... It's just, and, and the dog is constantly pointing, and you're just covey after covey. It just doesn't happen on wild birds. There was a a time, like in quail's heyday, everybody had a bird dog. And just they was hunting quail. Kick them up. Everybody had a bird dog, and they was hunting quail. Yep. Yep. That was like the southern, that was also the time when whitetail wasn't as prevalent. This is why you see a lot of hunting. those paintings of, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's that's like the old the the glory days of the old South is quail hunting. Quail hundred percent. At least the squirrels are still prevalent. Prevalent. Yeah. Gosh, I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm I'm out of the loop on quail hunting because I just I've never had the the opportunity to do it. You know, the, I've never I, done a genuine quail hunt either. I, I mean, bet you Brian will get if you. I bet we can set that up. Like, it, I mean, it would be something. That I, well, it would be just even if they were pin raised birds. I think it'd be an awesome time. Oh, I guarantee just, we can do that to go to a plantation, and that would be great. But we can go rely on Roman Hamas, yeah. and we can talk to. Um, uh oh, I'm totally blanking. At any rate, we know two fellows that are. Members at the Baker Quail Plantation up in McClenny. Yeah, it, it costs a couple of bucks, and I mean, they, even if they, even if they just charge you what it costs them. Yeah, right. Because they've got a guy that comes out like every week and takes care of the dogs, and every week's and keeps oh, yeah. place mode, keeps the yard down. I mean, they got staff. Yeah. So I mean, but that's not like those southern places we were talking about. Yeah. Well, that was that was back in the heyday where they were they had the they were on the farm. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know where you can. I, I think you can still get that experience. It's not quail; it's pheasants. 
Yeah. We were in Kansas and the farmers. Well, fe- pheasant's now the new quail, but that ain't. If you want to shoot quail or pheasant in Florida or this no. area and not go all the way out west, it's a tower shoot. Right. But we, when we were in Kansas, as I understand it, the state enters into agreements with farmers to put in what they call CRP grass. Yes. That's what they call, it's not, I don't know what the species of grass is, but. It's not true CRP where they just let it go. Yeah, they well, I don't know what the grass is. Maybe it is a natural natural grass. Uh, well, CRP, if I'm if I'm right, CR a CRP field is just that it was an ag field that the farmers just paid by the government not to touch. Well, th- these aren't just not paid to touch. They plant it with the natural grasses or whatever. Okay, specifically for pheasants. So right? you get in on pheasants forever now, Jim. Um. Well, here no. Here's the beautiful thing. So. They do help them out. They they go put these pens out there that well they feed the pens feed the bird like it, the the birds are wild birds yeah. when they're little chickabitties they put them out there in these pens and I guess there's water bottles and the the birds cause I guess the the little chicks go to the mama anyway and, and the mom they drink water off the mama or they drink it off the plants so there's that and and when the birds are real small. They'll stay in this pen, but then as they get bigger, they just wander off and they live a natural existence. Because I guess that pheasant, well, pheasants, pen pheasants don't stick around their young very long. Pheasants aren't aren't native, anyways. No, good point. But nonetheless, I'm <laughs> I mean they're here you, now. You're killing and, me, Briar. And nobody's wanting to get rid of pheasant, but you know, no. And they're a regulated <laughs> game bird, just like that. They just like they was native. They might as well be. But you can, um, you can certainly pay to get there, but. From what I understand, I mean, there's just, dude, these pheasants are thick. What, because yeah. in the, in the different, the DRN or whatever, like DR, DNR, DNR out there in Kansas knows where their bread is buttered for the conservation purposes. So as I understand it, that they pack these pens full of little rooster babies, right? So when you go out walking <laughs> through this field, it is a, it, most of the birds you flush are, rooster. are roosters. Like nobody's yelling rooster. Like you see on the show, oh, rooster. rooster. No, 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 no. You yell hen. Because <laughs> you don't see many. When a hen comes, nobody's like, ah! Hen, don't right? you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but just with your dogs, busting out in front, of, you know, and, and getting out in front, and all of a sudden the dogs pull up and the grass is really heavy. And you walk up, man, and it's just, you're like, bam, bam. It's, so, it's pretty special. Talking about Kansas here. Um, my limited research on GSPs, but if I was to get one with, like I said, my limited research, standing stone kennels. Well, I get away from my son to move out. Yeah. He's only 19. He's still got three years of school left. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, he's, yeah. Well, actually he may not be here for the whole three years, but he's at least got this year cause he's still going to Seminole. Yeah. We'll see. You know, um, I'm not in any hurry for him to leave until he yeah. gets his degree or whatever, or at least and whether he finishes or not, I think he's going to finish and then goes out and, and gets a real J O B yeah, where he can pay an M O R T A G E. Yeah. <laughs> get out. Get or at out. least pay R E N T. You're going to pay it to me. But yeah, I'm uh, one thing at a time. He said in my limited research and short hairs, but I guess they got some pretty good dogs. Good. The guy, well, 
You know what I'm thinking? I think we're the gonna guy, the guy with the pink gun. Okay. He carries a little single shot twenty, or I think it's a twenty gauge. It's pink. Josh is probably thinking about, oh, I'd love to live in Winter Park. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to have a place where you can run some dogs and have a kennel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a Jim's like, you're going to own property on Umatilla. Yeah. You know Great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to buy a house with a pole barn. I'll just have my son do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can use the boat and the ATV and the camper and all the other shit I'm going to put underneath it. But you need a pole barn. <laughs> <laughs> just haven't built a barn dominium. Well, Jim, if I... Uh, Look into what I might be. Yeah, we can put a kennel. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> so, we think you guys about to wrap this up. Tip of the week. Yeah. Oh, I'm man. ready for it. Who's going first? Not me. Yeah, I actually uh, got one this week, but I'm not going first. I was going to say you're going first because I don't have one either. Yeah. All right, I'm going first. <laughs> so, my tip of the week I, uh, do you guys have serious radio in your trucks? Nope. I don't. You don't? I just don't see I have, any. I don't, I don't use it, man. I listen to podcasts. And, I have uh, iHeartRadio, Audible. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe this is not going to be much of a tip of the week, but us old farts that still are paying for our radio. If you've got Sirius, um, I got my renewal, and it was like $330. And I'm sure they've been sending me these letters every day, but I was like, $330 to listen to the radio? I was thinking about canceling. So I go online, and I'm like, something wrong like i thought it was a lot less than that and sure enough they're giving a less a better offer to new subscribers so i felt a little indignant i called up sirius radio and i said i see that you want to charge me 300 dollars, but if somebody new comes along give them the first 90 days for a dollar a month then it's only 200 and some odd dollars i want the better deal or i will cancel and then call back up and resubscribe as a new subscriber and the nice lady there says you don't have to do that our very best deal on the platinum plan is eight bucks a month. I was like, sign me up. You didn't know that you could bargain with Sirius? Apparently I did not. When Oh my gosh, that's been a known thing for me. When for satellite radio. Because I used to have satellite radio. All you had to do was call them up. <laughs> And tell that's them, what I did. I'm, I'm going to leave. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like, well, great. sir, let me give you this deal here. Well, <laughs> where the hell were you a couple weeks ago? A tip of the week on Sirius Radio. We so, for anybody it. else out there that didn't know that you could bargain with Sirius, you're stuck in the 90s, Jim. <laughs> I mean, I listen to podcasts, and but every, every now and again, man, I like listen to my Patriot and, and listen to the, I really like listen to the um, Willie's Roadhouse for the, yeah, that's pretty good. See, when country music was still good. But the thing is, is I can pull up my iTunes and go, oh, Waylon Jennings. Okay. Listen to Waylon Jennings. I do a little of that too, but sometimes it's just easy to hit dunk on the radio and I got it. And and then I like uh I could see yeah, that. Yeah, now I can't remember the, it's it's the farm it's the farm channel. But you can go to iHeartRadio for free and go Waylon Jennings channel and it just does the same thing. Did you go Briar? <laughs> <laughs> I like what I like, and I'll pay my eight dollars a month for it. But I will not pay thirty. Is the Outlaw Radio still pretty good? Hell yeah! <laughs> you ever listened? What is that show um, with Johnny Knoxville? I think it's on Saturday or something. Yeah. Which one do they play the Grand Ole Opry on? Don't they play? Is that the Blue? That's on Willie's. Oh, that's Willie's Roadhouse. Yeah. And they got man on Saturday morning. I like when they bring out them really crusty old dudes that are playing like T for Tennessee. Yeah, I the mean, bluegrass ones are good stuff. one too, yeah. son. Yeah, except man, I, 
so I'm kind of like this, like when, when I listen to my blues music, please don't hear this the wrong way. When I listen to blues music, I want the musician to have either been born on a plantation or his parents were born on a plantation. Muddy Waters. Old, like Delta blues when blues was brand new blues. Modern blues. The man's got three teeth in his head. Just not really that much into it. But I'm kind of the same way with my country, and I'm definitely that way with Blue my bluegrass. Grass. They're starting to make bluegrass rock and roll. Okay. You're fired. Like, yeah. Huh? Rock and roll's got plenty of rock and roll. They've already made country rock and roll. Are you talking about the, the, the Thunderstruck with banjos and stuff? I, I don't even care, man. I just Is that what you're talking about? I don't want, I don't want to blaspheme anybody's band. But there are some bands out there that are bluegrass bands. It's hard to beat Mr. Sorry, they just exactly, man. The the bluegrass needs to be like they're on a front porch with jugs. Ralph Stanley. Yeah, man. I want to hear mouth harp in my bluegrass. You you know, I do not want to hear electric. (laughs) So, oh man, uh, I'm just gonna say uh, since. We just came out of the hurricane. Uh, if you don't have a generator, nobody with a generator. There you go. <laughs> they don't need it. Fire stayed on. Yeah, I lost power for dang near a week, and Briar had power right across the street the whole time. No, I don't think I, I don't think my power even blinked. Yeah, we didn't lose it, man. And usually, dude, the sucky part was I had it all through the hurricane, right? And then I wake up. At uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just kind of chilling around the house. And I go and I just kind of lay back in bed for a minute. I wasn't going to fall asleep, but I just didn't feel like, you know, sitting on the couch or anything. About 7.20, the whole house here. I'm like... Fans start slowing down. Yeah, I'm like, God damn it. I made it all the way way to 7.20, yeah. Oh, what sucks! It's almost is over. Yeah, the post hurricane humidity. It's never worse. <laughs> it was not about me, uh, me and Briar were sitting on his front porch with sweatpants and hoodies on. Really? Yeah. It was freezing cold. Thursday, Thursday, it was cold. Like I had to put a sweatshirt on. I was like shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, I'm getting cold. I kid you not. I had I had shorts and a hoodie on, and then before I left for Briar's house, I was like, I gotta put some sweatpants on because I. It's cold because the uh, uh, dang cold front pushed through with the hurricane. That's wacky, man. Like I said, uh, Michelle had a. Uh, so my brother in law is disabled. So he didn't like that stuff. So Michelle's girlfriend, who I has a place it. in Atlanta, yeah. was in Ohio and told Michelle that we could go to her place up there. So I was like, well, I don't want to sit Because normally, man, if somebody. It, it, tonight, like in our neighborhood, it used to be there. If somebody sneezed hard, we lost power for three days. They've since apparently fixed that. So I, I said, Lip, we're going. Went to Atlanta, and it was nice. But I didn't know. I thought it was uh, incredibly muggy and nasty. Sounds like I missed good weather. But it was nice. Like, Thursday, it was a little, like, spit and rain kind of a little bit. Cloudy. And a little, little bit of a breeze. But it was nice. Friday morning, the humidity was still going. Mm. It was dry. Felt great Friday morning. It kind of warmed up a little bit throughout the day, but you were comfortable. Dude, this week, Monday and Tuesday, 
Yeah. Good Lord, it was nice outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was nice. It's been nice all week. <laughs> I was like, wow, we should be hunting. Yeah, this is the same thing. Oh, oh dude, I did. I walked out the door. Was it Tuesday morning? And I was like, I want to call into work right now. Because it was 58 degrees mm-hmm. when I walked out my door at 4.30. And I was like, I, sh- I should have camouflage on right now. I should be heading to the tree stand. Like, why am I going to work? But I didn't have a choice, so. The weather is turning shotgunny, boys. It is. So, Briar, you got to drop some wisdom on us. Mm. I'm going to recycle one of yours, Jim. Big ice cream? Huh? No, no, no. <laughs> That's no. the first thing no. I thought of, too. No. Perhaps one of the best tips of the week ever. <laughs> and it was the, the savings account. Or well, I think you specifically said checking account. but Doesn't matter. Wealth coordination yeah. account. That will save you some money and a ton of headache because you could just, I set it up, it, my direct deposit goes right on in there and I never even see it. Yep. So now I'm going to ask you, once you set that up and then you just start living on the rest, right? So you're, you've automated the savings process and it's out of your life. Yeah. And you're just living on the rest. It makes guilt-free spending, right? If you got it, you spend it, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, well, to a point, because like, I'm used to thinking I'm trying to save money, and I'm looking at how much something's cost, and I'm like, oh, do I really need And I'm like, wait. You can still be thrifty. I just put all this money in my savings account. I'm still saving money. Yeah. So I feel a little, like it's not quite as bad when I do go to buy something. Uh, wait, wait. I'm like, you know what? Eh, I'm saving money still. When there's a couple of digits left of the comma, then you'll really feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right, man. That, that, like that's that's been just it, it's great to have it to know it's there if like something comes up and I like I got some money. Yep, and that way when you go in and you're gonna go on your dove hunt or your duck hunt and you can drop a little coin, especially when you have a significant other and she goes, "But what?" and you say, "Honey, we're gonna be fine." I got it. We've already saved this much money. We can do this. Mm-hmm. I got another tip for you. Guilt-free. Yep. And uh, Jim hasn't seen it yet because I haven't seen him look at his phone. But uh, always do your research, 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 research before you go hunting somewhere. We go to North Carolina in mid-November to hunt sea ducks. In the state of North Carolina... You are not allowed to hunt migratory bird on Sundays. I don't think you can hunt at all on Sunday. So we're fishing Sunday. <laughs> yep. There's a blue law. Mm-hmm. We're leaving on when? Thursday? Yep. So we're just hunting Friday, Saturday. It was going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, head home Monday. I believe. Yeah, that's what we're scheduled for. We're all booked out that. Yeah, I don't care, man. We'll go fishing. We'll go fishing and crabbing. Yeah, they got, yeah. They got Friday, Saturday, crabs. Sunday, head home Monday. So we're going to the Pamlico River, and that place has got well, redfish will be gone by then, but they still they still got sea trout down in the Pamlico. They got blue crab. So, I, man, I don't care if all we do is drive around. I'll say I don't care if we throwing chicken legs. Yeah, we'll find something to do on Sunday. But do your <coughs> research because had we not done our research. 
I mean, I'm sure Josh knows, but had we not done our research, we may have made a uh, a big uh oh. Yeah, we'll go out to the Outer Banks and we'll we'll find something to do. Absolutely, I bet you Josh hook us up. He I'm sure there's some sort of critter we can chase. Yeah, we should go find one of them little tiny Southern country churches though. Just stop in. Yeah, I don't think they'd like the way I dress the church. Oh man, <laughs> there's a where we hunt. I've only been in it once. I'm not bringing caught, a suit and tie. Caught cowboy yeah, church. Cowboy church. I think there's one right around here somewhere. Astatula. Yep. Astatula. Astatula's got a cowboy church. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what the cowboy designation means, but um, usually short, sweet, do right. Yeah. Short message. Let me go. Love, your, love your neighbor. Get out. Yeah. Of here. <laughs> I love it. Just. All right. Well. Sorry, we kind of pondered, pandered around a little bit this week, but hurricane threw us off. Williams down in uh, Fort Myers, working some uh, disaster relief work with Tico. So we're short out on William. Make sure to thank your uh, all your first responders and everybody that had to help and deal with all that, or deal with that every year, every time we have one. Yeah. Did the Cajun Navy come down? Yeah, yeah, they did. So thank all your people that put in and help out. If there's any way, uh, if we have any listeners that are in some flooded areas near us, uh, you know, the Sanford, Geneva area, anything like that, let us know what we can do. Yep. We'll come help out. Uh, but it's good talking to y'all. Glad to be here again. And we're out.